Welcome to episode 15 of the Champs and Chums podcast. I'm Anthony. And I'm Ashton. Father-son fun talk on sports, life, and friendship. Coming up on episode 15, Lest We Forget. We'll honor the best who serve our country and remember those who sacrifice for our freedoms with MS Dan Bard, 13-year member of the Canadian Armed Forces. Are you ready to go beast mode? We'll go tape to tape with the best scorer in the history of the ECHL Brampton Beast, pro hockey all-star David Valerani. For the very first time, our entire father-son free-for-all round will shine on Golden Pond. Hear us award gold medals across the podium, honoring athletes who served in the Canadian military. And we'll head for home on episode 15 with our special segments, All Pro Go, a Did You Know Sports Spotlight, and Champs and Chums personal salutes to our stars on and off the field. That's all coming up on episode 15 of the Champs and Chums podcast. Thanks Thanks for for listening. Welcome back to Champs and Chums. Happy November, everybody. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, and Ashton, how are you doing, my friend, this November? I am doing amazing. That's that's amazing. Now, why do you feel amazing here in this uh, wonderful month of November? It's because um, we take the time to remember our um, fallen soldiers. And I think that um, we had an amazing... Uh, Remembrance Day, and I hope all the listeners did too. Well, yeah, you're right, Ashton. And you know, it, it's a special episode for us, right? Uh, because uh, we are in November, everybody, and hope everybody's safe and well. And it is a time certainly to remember. We remember those who have served for our country, and remember those uh, who have fallen, like you say, that might have given the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms that we so enjoy today. And, um, yeah, later up, coming up on this episode, you're, you're going to want to tune into this. Uh, we had a doubleheader best of segment, Ashton. We had uh, pro hockey player David Valerani uh, of the Brampton Beast, the all-time points leader. Great interview there. And then, um, uh, well, why do you share the great news that we received, right? At, at the time of taping here, it was only a few days before that. But uh, tell them the great news. So uh, we reached out to the Canadian Armed Forces to see if we could get someone, someone from who's currently serving um, on our podcast. And uh, the Canadian Armed Forces accepted our request and we will now, we will have MS Daniel Bard on That's the right. show. Yeah, a great interview there, eh, Ashton, uh, for the listeners to uh, listen to uh, in this podcast. Uh, a 13-year uh, military member represented our country so uh, greatly and continues to do that. Um, MS Dan Bard uh, will join us on the show, and so take a listen for that. It's an outstanding 
pictures and descriptions, as I'll call it, of, uh, of life working and serving uh, our country. But let's get back to some November um, uh, happenings, Ashton, because it was a, a pretty big uh, milestone for you. Yep. Your report card. And uh, you know what, Every, everybody, just to let you know, Ashton, you did an outstanding, excellent job on your report card. How do you feel about that, man? I mean, I feel good because um, I want to keep continuing getting good grades because I've been getting good grades a lot. And I, I want to keep that going till I get to university. Oh, the, you know, I'm my my heart is pumping and my heart is uh, is beating so nicely as I'm hearing you say all those wonderful things, things that we talk about in a lot of champs and chums. So great job, man! Early fist bump on episode fifteen for that. Well done. And uh, is there a favorite subject that maybe you have over the others? You did really well across all the, you know, the the big disciplines. But uh, which one is your favorite? My favorite subject would have to be gym. It's my favorite subject. I just love getting outside and getting active. Well, yeah, and physical activity is important. And uh, a lot of those things in phys ed, and that was one of your favorites of your dad as well, too. Uh, you know, some great mentors there uh, back in high school, thinking like Mr. Wood and, and all those great uh, phys ed teachers. But, yeah, you do learn a lot, uh, getting physical activity, teamwork, uh, following instructions, discipline, commitment, and uh, being part of a team. So great job, my man, on that report card. Um, speaking of Roundtree, we want to give a shout out, Ashton, to one of your longtime chums who's no longer at Roundtree, but just recently celebrated a birthday. So Ashton, why don't, why don't you take it away? Um, I want to sh- shout out to Jushin, who had his... That's right. He had his eighth birthday just a a little while ago. And uh, I want to say thank you for being my chum. And you have been an outstanding person since I've met you. And you guys knew each other when you were were really young. Yeah. Right? And, you know, they've... uh, They've uh, moved out, and Justin's at, at, at a new school. They've moved out, out of the city, but uh, we still keep in touch with them. So uh, we're going to find a great way to formally recognize your longtime chum, I'm sure, uh, Justin, on a, on a future episode. So happy 8th bir- birthday, uh, Justin. And um, let's dial back a little bit, because, you know, we talked about November being a special month. It's about Remembrance Day. You had a great honor at the ceremony that Roundtree had for Remembrance Day. Do you want to talk a bit about that? So we had a Remembrance Day um, Google Meet thing where we basically... It was a ceremony, yeah. Yeah, ceremony. And um, at 11, we um, took two minutes of silence, and then they started getting into the video, which I was in, actually. And um, then they started talking about, like, we lest we forget and then all about the soldiers yeah and there's i guess there's some formal proceedings that happened there too like i think it was was it a wreath that you had uh you had worked on to present yes to one of the cadets that were there yeah oh that's amazing well what a great great and special way thanks for tuning in to our november episode and it's a special one because it, it's certainly about remembrance we got a lot of things to cover that amazing theme um we got a lot in the opening. We've done a lot in November, Ash, and I want you to talk about this thing 
we call table tennis because we became a little creative and we know it's been very challenging and and tough for everybody you know um you know with some of the restrictions uh certainly here in peel and uh we've been trying to make the most of it but we did something pretty creative uh with table tennis yeah uh two weekends ago i believe we uh got a table tennis net and a ball and paddles and then we had a table but it couldn't bounce then we got other wood and it didn't still bounce so um the day after my dad went to home depot yeah it would have been home depot yeah and he bought uh it's not plywood but it's like a type of plywood yeah yeah it's like what mdf and so basically i guess to make the long story short a good story in that we didn't have a table tennis table but within 24 hours a sheet of kind of what we call, uh, I guess, uh, um, uh, MDS table. MDF, yeah, that's right, the kind of plywood, right, or, or form of plywood, yep. became our tennis table. Yep. So we had a lot of fun in that. And what's been happening since? Who's, who's, the, uh, who's the unanimous champ between you, Mom, and I? I'm, gonna put I'm a waiting big, for it. I'm going to put a big sigh on this. It's my dad. Oh, you put a big sigh. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, you know, I must say I've got a, I've got a, a perfect record right now, right? But I mean, yeah. you were close. I was close. Uh, I was beating my dad. We only go to 10. Uh, I was beating my dad 9 to 4. 9-4, and I came back. And I did a s- just very... I don't know my, what it, my brain was thinking. It's I, okay. You know what? It's yeah. uh, it's about it's champs and chumps, right? I mean, you, yeah. you you're gonna have you learn a lot. I remember L- Neil Lumsden talked about this in uh, in the previous episode, just about how much you learn even in the tough moments, right? So you're you're gonna will, you're gonna will through this, and you're gonna you're gonna beat your dad, I'm sure. So um, what do you say? Another father son challenge, maybe coming up in the in the next little while? Yeah. All right. Sounds good, my man. Well, listen, let's put a focus back on uh, Remembrance Day after that great summary of all things going on for your yours truly, your champs and chums. And we're going to move on to a very special Remembrance Day version of our father-son free-for-all, Ashton. So, you know, we, we, um, we're going to call this the All-Star Round, just in, in, in honoring uh, all the veterans and all the great... Um, members of the Canadian military, we're going to actually give out, for the very first time, gold medals all across the board. And these gold medals will be awarded to athletes who actually served in the Canadian military. So Ashton, uh, what do you think about us changing it up and doing, doing something like that to honor our vets and our military members? Well, I think it's amazing, and I think that's a very amazing way to honor um, soldiers who have fallen and uh, veteran—I mean, uh, Canadian Armed Forces members that are still serving right now. That's right. So, with that, everyone, we're going to uh, get you ready for our first gold medal, father-son free-for-all all-star round ashton who is your goal your first gold medalist for athletes who served in the canadian military my first gold medal is steve sear great stuff steve sear why don't you tell the uh, listeners a little bit more about steve sear 
Seer, who joined the armed forces in 1988, was represented Canada in the Balathon. He was, yeah, he was a biathlete. Biathlete. In 1992 and 1994 and 1998. Yeah, so uh, uh, Steve Sear was born May the 20th, 1967. That's Confederation as well, too. Uh, and yeah, he, he appeared in the uh, 92 Winter Olympics, 94 Winter Olympics, and 1998. So great job, son. That's your first gold medalist. Excellent. All right, over to Dad in terms of his first gold medalist for um, athletes that have served in the Canadian military. And this one is a little different, Ashton. We talk a lot about teams on Champs and Chums. So my first gold medalist is the Ottawa RCAF Flyers. And this was a senior amateur Canadian ice hockey team. They were based out of Ottawa and... Um, Obviously, RCF, uh, RCAF stands for the Royal Canadian Air Force. So this was a hockey team, Ashton, made out of Canadian Armed for Air Force members. And uh, this club won a gold medal at the 1948 Winter Olympics. Can you believe that? That is amazing and yeah. outstanding. So a, a team of hockey players. They also won the Allen Cup, everybody, those of you... Uh, those ho those hockey aficionados out there would know that the uh, Allen Cup is the prestigious uh, uh, cup to hoist for uh, senior amateur men's hockey. But yeah, um, the RCAF Flyers, my first gold medalist, they were uh, inducted into the Canadian Armed Forces Sports Hall of Fame in 1971. That's my first gold medal. All right, Ashton, over to you with your next gold medal presentation. My second gold medal is Mark Anthony Graham. Great selection. Mark Anthony Graham. Uh, tell, tell the listeners at home a little bit about um, this military member. Um, a member of the four times 100 meter re relay team at the Barcelona Games in 1992. So sprinting was his thing there, Ashton. That's right. Barcelona yep. Games, 92. What else? Graham was... Graham served uh, in the Charles Company's 8th plat platoon in, in Af Af Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, uh, uh, definitely recognition. He's, he's of my vintage, Ashton. He was born in 73, um, uh, and he is uh, actually a Canadian Olympic uh, athlete, as, as Ashton mentioned, 4x100 re uh, um, uh, relay. And um, he actually uh, was a, a soldier that died actually in, in, in service. He was, um, you know, fallen in the Operation Medusa uh, during a NATO mission in Afghanistan. So um, a real tribute to uh, Mark Anthony Graham who is no longer with us, but again, Ashton, what's so important in this, this not only just November, it definitely shines a light on it, but uh, to remember fallen soldiers, and Mark Anthony Graham was a real shining example of that. He grew up in Hamilton, lived in Calgary, Alberta. When he was stationed, he was uh, stationed at CF, CFB Petawawa in Ontario, but um, tremendous athlete, tremendous soldier. We remember him well, Mark Anthony Graham. Okay, good stuff, Ashton. Well, now it's time for Dad's uh, second 
second gold medal uh, award. And my award for, um, I guess you hockey fans out there, is going to be the famous hockey player Max Bentley. That's right, uh, Max Bentley, who was born on March 1st, 1920. Uh, he played for the Chicago Blackhawks, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the New York Rangers, uh, in a career that spanned 20 years. He played in four All-Star games, Ashton. Max Bentley did. And, um, yeah, he was a serving member of the uh, of, of the of the Canadian military and uh, Max Bentley is is my next selection. Good stuff. All right, Ashton, over to you for your third gold medal. My third gold medal is Tom Longboat. Oh, that's a great uh, a great selection, Ashton. Tell the listeners at home a little bit more about uh, Tom Longboat. Tom Longboat ran the marathon at the London Games in nineteen. 19- Oh, and served in World War One. Yeah, and and you know, yeah, a marathon runner. He's a he's a Canadian sports uh, legend. Um, he was a distance runner from the Six Nations Reserve uh, near Brampton. Uh, sorry, Brampton. Excuse me. Uh, it's Brantford. And uh, yeah, he was a, a soldier in the Canadian Expeditionary Force uh, during First World War. So that's Tom Longboat, a Canadian great. Uh, and what a um, uh, what a wonderful accomplishments he had as an athlete, and of course as uh, of serving the, uh, the 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 military. And my next and final Ashton, my next and final gold medal for um, uh, athletes who served in the Canadian military. Again, I, I I've got leaf in my uh, in my blood as I'm talking about this uh, blue in my blood, if you will. Con Smythe. That's right. Um, Con Smythe, uh, who uh, actually was in the principal founders of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, he served in the Canadian Artillery, where he earned the Military Cross. And he also transferred uh, in serving in the military in, the, in um, the Royal Flying Corps in 1917, Ashton. So some real legendary... Uh, stuff there and uh, he helped found uh, founded of course the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, some of the great things that happened uh, because of him being a great businessman a soldier and a sportsman not only just ice hockey he was involved in Ashton was also horse racing but um, you know being the principal owner of the Leafs as they uh, from 1927 to 1961 he was uh the, one of the, the founding members to help build Maple Leaf Gardens, a place where your dad was pr- so proud to work. Uh, another honor for Con Smythe, honoring um, athletes who served in the Canadian military. Good stuff, Ashton. Well, you're going to take us to break on episode 15. This ends our father-son free-for-all segment. More father-son fun talk coming up. You're listening to the Champs and Chums podcast. father-son fun talk you're listening to episode 15 of the champs and chums podcast and ashton it's now time for a next edition of our best of segment and ashton we are in for a real treat 
You know, to be championship, all great teams need a bona fide game breaker, a true go-to guy, the kind of performer that when the game is on the line, the puck is on his stick. And Ashton, you know, we our special guest has blazed an impressive trail doing each and all of that. Hey Ashton, I got two questions for you, my man. Are you ready to go roof daddy on episode 15? Sure am. All right, man. Are you ready to put the biscuit in the basket on champs and chums? Yes. All right. Well, our very special guest enjoyed a outstanding 12-year collegiate and professional hockey career. He's the most prolific scorer in the history of our hometown pro hockey team, the Brampton Beast. A noted game breaker, he played 490 career games and was an offensive threat every time he stepped onto the ice. Our special guest earned 484 career points, won a Kelly Cup, and earned several All-Star honors in an illustrious professional career which spanned the ECHL, experience with the AHL, and top leagues in Sweden, Germany, and Italy. The native of Hamilton, Ontario, not only scored big as an outstanding athlete, but as an accomplished academic. He played in the prestigious NCAA Division I with the University of Massachusetts Lowell, one of the most decorated hockey programs in U.S. college. He achieved on the ice and off the ice, graduating with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased to be joined by number 97 in your program, number one in your hearts, pro hockey player, David Valerani. David, welcome to Champs and Chums. Hey guys, thanks for having me, really appreciate it. Oh, we're so happy to have you on the show. Uh, David, Ash, and I are so appreciative of the time you're giving us to join us here on episode 15 and uh, such an illustrious uh, pro career and college career that we're going to get in on. So uh, why don't we get into right away and start our puck drop on this fun father-son uh, conversation with David Valerani. So, uh, David, uh, Dad over here on this side here, I'll take the first question, and uh, why don't we get into some recent news? It was only just a couple months ago um, that you announced your retirement from professional hockey, you know, and, you know, the numbers don't lie. I mean, you were just in the middle, I guess, pre-COVID uh, in one of your best seasons. I mean, you had 71 points only after 62 games, top player on the beast one of the top scorers on the uh in the, in the echl i'm wondering if you can take our listeners through um the reasons why and your de- decision to retire from pro hockey yeah for sure it was uh it was definitely a tough decision to make um especially you know ending the season in march and uh, we were on a really good uh, playoff run there uh, we had a terrific team a lot of good players on that team um, but then, you know, the whole COVID thing started and shut down the league and we didn't know if it was going to start up again. And unfortunately it didn't. Um, and you know, that kind of just made everything a little bit, not easier, but, um, you know, they said the next season, was it going to start till January or December, um, anywhere in that time. And, you know, I kind of just couldn't wait around that long, not knowing, right. It was going to be unknown. Um, so, you know, like I said, it kind of made things a little bit easier for me to retire, but at the same time, I would have definitely loved to have kept playing. Um, also, you know, I'm 31 years old. Uh, I've been around the game for a long time, and I, I need to start thinking about my uh, next career after hockey. Um, so, you know, I decided to get my um, insurance license, and now I'm working full-time at an insurance company called Vincibly, those Desjardins Agency in Burlington. So um, everything's worked out well for me right now, and uh, I'm enjoying the uh, next chapter of my life right now. 
Oh, that's amazing, David. And uh, you're right. I mean, COVID has uh, seemed to put the uh, speed wobble on a lot of things, uh, including professional uh, sports careers. But, um, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, the general manager, Kerry Kaplan, and, and among all the beast enthusiasts to uh, step away from the game uh, at, at the very top and pinnacle of it was uh, certainly a, a great way to uh, leave a mark. And uh, you certainly did that. Um, and also great to hear that you're making the transition so smoothly from uh, from hockey into other chapters of your life. Um, but uh, stepping back into hockey, David, um, just another question for you. I mean, I, I heard you speak uh, a few years ago when you did an interview talking about, um, you know, mentors in your life and who introduced you to the game. And uh, I was quite taken by it because you had said that your dad was the first person that really introduced you to the game and helped you with some skills. I'm wondering if you can share with the listeners um, a bit about how your father has uh, played a role in introducing you to the great game of hockey. Yeah, for sure. I definitely owe, I owe him uh, pretty much everything to uh, my, my hockey career in general. Um, you know, he started me out at an early age. I think I started skating at around two years old. Um, he never played like a high level of hockey, but he played high school hockey and he, uh, he really enjoyed that. So I think, uh, you know, when he had a boy, I think he really wanted to, you know, push things and, you know, make me into a great hockey player. Um, on that, being that, on that said, uh, he never really, you know, pressured me into doing anything. You know, he kind of just guided me through, uh, you know, hockey school and then house league hockey and then all the way through triple a. Um, but he's definitely had a huge impact on my hockey career. Um, you know, the early morning practices, you know, taking off work for games and tournaments, you know, he gave up a lot, uh, not just him, but my mom, my sister, you know, they did a lot for me. You know, they, my sister had missed school just to come to a hockey tournament with me. Uh, she, you know, videotape all my games in the freezing cold. Um, so I definitely owe a lot to them. You know, they, they sacrificed a lot for me and I am really appreciative of that. Oh yeah. And then, you know, to hear, uh, you know, how fatherhood and family has played a role into the success you've achieved. You know, we've talked about it a lot on Champs and Chums and some of our other great guests that have joined us. I mean, um, is there's quite a commitment that's that's uh, taken, and great to hear your story directly from you. Um, uh, David, uh, my chum Ashton to the right of the broadcast chair with me has a question for you. David, you, uh, David, you have had an outstanding college and pro hockey career. Can you share some of your career highlights? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, getting a Division One scholarship was always a goal of mine. Um, and I was able to uh, accomplish that. I got a full scholarship to U University of Massachusetts Lowell, um, played there for four years, was able to get my education, which was uh, very important to me at the time. Um, you see a lot of guys, you know, turn pro and never get, end up getting their education. So that I made that a focus of mine. Um, after college, you know, I, I signed with the, the Hershey Bears in the Amer American Hockey League. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to the uh, Washington Capitals camp. Um, unfortunately, that was the year that the lockout was was happening, so it kind of got all screwed up in that sort sort of sense. Um, but I had a great first year playing uh, in Reading, uh, won the Kelly Cup there, learned a lot learned a lot from all the veteran players. Um, it was definitely a great experience for me for my first year. Um, also, playing overseas was you know incredible. Uh, I didn't think I would ever get the chance to do that, but I was definitely very fortunate enough to be able to do that. And the crowds over there, like. You know, they're totally different than they are here. You know, it's like being at a soccer game. They got flags waving, flares going in the stands. Um, it was just an incredible experience that uh, that I was uh, able to do. 
And then finishing my career in Brampton was also a highlight of mine. I got to, you know, play in front of friends and family. Um, it was just, you know, being at the rink every day, close to home, living at home um, was incredible. Um, I thank the city of Brampton, the Brampton Beast, for giving that, me that opportunity as well, right? And, you know, you just make life-lasting la- friends that way. Um, you know, guys that have played with my first year in Brampton, I talk to them every day still. So it was definitely, that's one of the biggest highlights of my career so far. So. That's great, David. Heard some great ones there and so many to choose from. You're right. I saw some of those videos uh, of some of your play in Europe. Those uh, those fans are like the raving fans, you know. Uh, they, cer- <laughs> they certainly are. And uh, I think I was actually reading... Um, uh, when you played at UMass, there's there's some, uh, and not only your experience uh, with an NHL training camp with Washington, but uh, I think Car- did Carter Hutton play on your team there? He played in, uh, at, in college with me at University of Massachusetts Hall. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's definitely cool to see all the guys that go on to the NHL. Um, you know, we still talk to them every are here and here and there, right? So it's uh, it's great to see them have that success, and um, it's great to be a part of their team, right? Oh, that's great, Ashton. You got your next question for David Valerani. David, uh, what lessons and words of advice did you get from your dad? Uh, he he definitely said a lot of things over the years, but uh, one that stands out the most is probably uh, it's not how big you are, it's how good you are. And, you know, I kind of ingrained that into my mind and, you know, was able to beat the odds and play eight seasons of professional hockey. Um, you know, not only did I be able, I was able to play eight seasons, you know, I gained a lot of experiences. Um, my wife was able to travel with me overseas. You know, she's been so supportive through it all um, with me. She, you know, she's been with me since college. So we've done the whole long distancing relationship and, uh, like I said, traveling overseas. So I'm so grateful to have her support through my career. Um, you know, she didn't have to, you know, live the life of a, of a hockey wife or anything like that, but she sacrificed a lot and, um, I was able to play, you know, like I said, eight seasons of pro hockey when a lot of players, you know, only dream of playing one. Right. So, um, it was definitely, uh, a great experience and, um, I cherish all those memories for sure. You're listening to episode 15 of the Champs and Chums podcast. This is our best of segment. We're joined by pro hockey player. David Valerani, Ashton and Anthony here on the broadcast chair. And uh, David, you touched on it uh, a short while ago, but would love to put a focus on it. You know, we we talk about it on Champs and Chums about um, how sports has got this unique ability to build camaraderie, being part of a team and and such like that. Um, uh, I guess a two-part question. Um, I'm just wondering if you can talk about, um, are you, are you think you're going to miss pro sports? I mean, obviously that camaraderie in the locker room with the boys and then also the importance of, um, of sports being sort of that element of camaraderie. Yeah, of course, you know, I'm obviously going to miss it. It's, you know, it's been a part of my life for the last, um, you know, 20 years or so. So, (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, definitely miss the most is, uh, going to be competing, you know, going out there every day on the ice, battling with my teammates, um, you know, the dressing room, the road trips, all that kind of thing is, uh, is what I think I'm going to miss the most. You know, you don't, you don't get that every, in an everyday, uh, work environment, right? Um, you know, you, you develop a lot of special bonds with teammates and, uh, it's like having another family, right? You see them every day. I might even see them more than my actual family at the time. Right. So yeah. um, you definitely develop those relationships and that special bond. And it's, uh, you know, sports kind of does that to, 
to everyone and brings everyone closer together. So, um, like I said, very fortunate to be part of some great teams. David, uh, who are some of your favorite athletes of all time and why? Uh, I think, you know, some of my favorite uh, athletes would be, you know, Sidney Crosby, uh, Tiger Woods, Roger Federer. Um, I think all these athletes have that, you know, that mindset to be the best, right? And they don't take no for an answer. They just do whatever they, they uh, do whatever it takes to get to the next level and be the best. You know, they don't settle for a second ever. And, you know, a lot of people don't see it, but behind the scenes, they're working extra, extra hard. You know, they think they, people think that just because they have talent, um, that makes them the player they are, or the, uh, you know, the golfer or tennis player they are. But it's, you know, it's all the stuff they do behind the scenes, that working out, that extra um, shooting pucks after practice, anything like that, just to get an edge on the uh, on the opponent or other players, right? And that really sets the bar and the standards higher for those athletes. And, you know, I kind of look up to those, those you know, special athletes that, that grind every day and, and have that, you know, work ethic to be the best they can be. Awesome. Uh, real uh, all-star words there, David. Uh, picked up on a lot of it. You know, you talk about the work ethic and the mindset, you know, things we talk about on Champs and Chums on, on how, uh, you know, uh, people, uh, young and old alike, can be great. So uh, wonderful words there. Um, David, uh, would love to also uh, talk about some other uh, important um, aspects we talk about on Champs and Chums, this uh, father-son fun talk podcast, uh, just on the importance of uh, teamwork mentorship and competition you know it's always good for our listeners to hear it directly from from an athlete so would love to uh, hear your words on teamwork mentorship and competition yeah for sure all three of those are you know very important um you know mentoring like in the last stages of my career you know i was i, I saw myself as a, you know a leader a mentor towards the younger players you know like I had when I was just started out playing professional hockey, you know, you kind of teach them the daily routines, you know, how to be a good professional player, um, be respectful for, to others. Um, you know, sports teaches you a lot in that kind of, uh, aspect, you know, earning trust, you know, coaches trust, um, do the right things each and every day, work hard, set goals for yourself. Um, and just being a good person is, uh, probably the most important thing uh, that I've learned, you know, over the years, you know, um, coaches like coaches, anyone, even, you know, um, bosses or anything like that in the real world, you know, they like good people. Um, so I think that's very important to, you know, have that trait in your mindset and, uh, you know, just be respectful to others and, uh, you'll gain that respect from them. Great stuff. And, um, you know, David, uh, just at the outset of our, our interview, our great chat with you here on the best of segment, we, um, uh, it was great to learn that you've made such a uh, a good transition into the business world now, working uh, in the insurance uh, industry. And, uh, you know, uh, a question, I guess, for you, too, and maybe it does involve some hockey. What does the future look like uh, for, for David Valerani now uh, once the skates are hung up? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was definitely an easier transition. You know, I think I missed the game. Uh, a little bit more if it was actually going on right now. So, mm-hmm. like I said, it's kind of made it easier for me um, to transition uh, into the insurance world. But, um, yeah, like I said, I'm just getting my feet wet in the real world, um, taking it day by day, really enjoying it. Um, uh, you know, I was, thank- I was I was, 
you know, lucky enough to have the opportunity to jump right into the insurance world. And uh, I'm really enjoying it, like I said. So hopefully uh, we'll keep it going. But as for the future, uh, you know, anything can happen. You know, I'll keep uh, thinking of things to do, maybe stay involved in the game of hockey as well. So um, we'll see down the line. But right now I'm just uh, focusing on my insurance career. David, what advice do you have for young kids who want to be a pro hockey star like you? <laughs> um, you know, probably just, you know, set goals for yourself and, you know, work hard. Working hard is probably, you know, the best trait you can have. You know, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't work hard, it's not going to get you anywhere. And I've seen a lot of uh, players in that regard. You know, they have all this talent, tremendous talent. They can, you know, stick handle the puck like nobody other but you know they just don't have that work ethic which puts them at the next level um also don't put pressure on yourself you know just go out there have fun um i think you know one of the best things that uh one of my coaches ever said to me Colin Chalk, you know he's like really enjoy this um, i think it was my first season in Brampton he said you know five years from now ten years from now you're going to be looking back and you're going to be working a job and um you're going to really remember those moments that you had being a professional hockey, you know, just playing hockey for a living is, you know, it's obviously unbelievable. Um, you know, a lot of people don't get to experience that, but, you know, just enjoy it, have fun. Don't think about becoming a professional. Just like I said, work on your game, um, enjoy it, have fun. And, you know, all things will uh, come together after that. Well, David, and enjoy and have fun. We've certainly done this on, on this Best Of segment, but just uh, sneaking in one more question for you because uh, enjoyment and, and fun watching you uh, over the last four years. I'm wondering if you can talk about your time uh, with uh, with the Brampton Beast uh, the last four seasons and maybe a message to the fans and the city of Brampton um, as you uh, enjoyed so many great uh, performances over the last four years. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the city of Brampton has treated me unbelievably. Um, you know, the, the fan support was incredible. You know, you have those diehard fans that come out each and every game. Um, they're around the rink when, you know, we have fan events. Um, but most importantly, what I enjoyed most was, was reaching out in the community, going to, you know, schools, playing hockey in the gym with the kids. Um, just reaching out in the community that way was, was uh, definitely one of the top things that I enjoyed about playing at Brampton and, you know, the Brampton Beast organization, they did a tremendous job uh, being able to, you know, have a team in Brampton, have a Canadian team in the ECHL. So I'm very fortunate for the opportunity to play there. And um, I definitely cherish that for the rest of my life. All pro words from a uh, all pro guy, uh, David Valerani. Uh, David, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us here on the best of segment. Uh, you're the consummate pro in every way. Uh, so many great things that um, management uh, here at the Beast and uh, also the fans have seen you just not only on the ice, you know, you dazzled us with, you know, your speed, your ability to win the puck and, and certainly that shot of yours. Um, but that that stuff on the ice was only matched by all the wonderful things uh, you've done in community and uh, congratulations on your retirement. And uh, my uh, my champ and my chum Ashton here wants to say a few words of thank you to you. Uh, thank you for your time, David, and uh, that uh, shot that I saw you take uh, was incredible, and I think that just makes you like a real champ because, you know, you never gave up, and then 
you know, overtime, and then you just won the game by one point. Yeah, you were talking about that 7-6 game, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where David scored the over OT winner. He did many, but yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the I, I appreciate you uh, remembering that, Ashton. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, David, thank, thank you so much for joining us. And Ashton, you're going to take us to break on episode 15. This ends our father-son best of segment. More father-son fun talk coming up. You're listening to the Champs and Chums podcast. Welcome back to Champs and Chums, episode 15. And Ashton, it's now time for a next edition of our best of segment. And Ashton, here we are in November and in November for great reason. There is a heightened feeling of Canadian pride and remembrance that captures every proud Canadian from coast to coast. Our nation honours the legion of brave people who had served and served for our country. And Ashen, it's an honour, and listeners at home, it's an honour and, uh, and a privilege to have a serving member of the Canadian Armed Forces join us as a special guest on our show. Hey Ashton, i got two questions for you, my man. Are you ready to stand on guard for episode 15? Sure am. Great. And uh, hey, next question. Are you ready to show true patriot love on Champs and Chums? Of course. All right. Great stuff, man. Well, our special guest has served in the Canadian military for 13 years. He has traveled to 43 countries around the world. The Caribbean for anti-drug operations with the U.S. Coast Guard the Middle East and Africa for anti-piracy operations, the U.S. military during aircraft carrier operations. These are among his many incredible missions. Our special guest has sailed above the Arctic Circle and to the equator, amassing over 600 days at sea with the Canadian military. Our special guest's military duty includes his trade as an imagery technician. He and his unit produce photographs and videos used internally for military and externally for Canadian and international media. In 2018, our special guest was awarded as the top military photographer in the Canadian Armed Forces. This achievement was only to be outdone in 2019 when he was selected as a member of the Canadian Forces Combat Camera, a prestigious honour for all members in the photographic trade. Our special guest is grateful for the tremendous love and support of his family. He's a husband to wife Natalie and father to two creative children, Isabel and Lincoln. Ladies and gentlemen, we are pleased to be joined from Gatineau, Quebec, by MS Dan Bard, a member of the Canadian Armed Forces. MS Bard, welcome to Champs and Chums. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, that's great. We're so fortunate and honored to have you we so appreciate your time and um just speaking off air you know uh, all the great accomplishments that we've just talked about it's so great to have you on the show and um uh, we're also so pleased that we can speak to you uh, uh, as well and 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 during this fun father-son chat chat uh, uh dan call you dan and, and that's that's great for us and i'm glad it's great for you too yes all right, good stuff. Well, uh, let's get into uh, our, our fun father-son uh, conversation here on Champs and Chums and uh, start on our mission or set sail, if you will, on our chat. Uh, Dan, just to, uh, to kick off our, our conversation, can you take us through the motivations and inspirations in your life which led you to uh, join the Canadian Armed Forces? Sure. Uh, so 
I'm actually, uh, uh, my father was in the military for uh, 34 years. And uh, when he retired, I wasn't in the military yet. I actually was uh, just about to graduate high school. And um, I was thinking about joining, but I wasn't really too sure about it was for me. And um, it was sort of maybe about two years later, I was going to university and college that I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to do this. So I, uh, I went in and I applied for the military and I specifically applied for what my father used to do. So my father used to be a military photographer and then he took his commission to be an officer and he was an image tech for only 12 years. And in those 12 years he did, uh, he also won the image tech of the year award. Um, and that was sort of, you know, maybe I could also do this job as well because he took photography. I like photography. He taught me a little bit. I learned a lot from other people as well. And that was sort of one of the reasons I was like, you know what? I can do this. I can be a military photographer in the military. I, I think I can do it. And that thinking got me into motivation of doing. And it was truly just walking into the, to the uh, recruiting office one day and talking to somebody who happened to be an image tech there as well. And talking to them, they also knew my father from being in the military because the military is a very tight-knit family. You're always going to have somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody down the line. Um, I have bumped into friends over the years that I went through basic with out of the blue that I, I'm walking down the street in, uh, in Toronto or I'm uh, in Trent, Ontario, or I'm in uh, Vancouver and I'm walking down the street and I bump into somebody. So being part of that tight-knit family was also something that drove me because I like I'm a sociable person. I like to go out and talk to people and experience things. And being that drive sort of of going out there and traveling, that was one thing as well. I saw that from my father. Uh, he traveled a lot. Like my father hit so many countries. I, I would say probably upwards of 50 to 60 countries. Um, he's been on many six month deployments, uh, Afghanistan, uh, Haiti, uh, Somalia, um, Congo, uh, 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 Bosnia, Yugoslavia. I, seeing my dad gone for those long trips and his experiences that he got from being in the military was one of the reasons I was like, you know what, I want to do this because what my father got to see, I want to see. And he was sort of the bigger influence of I want to give a shot to. And I just was amazed on it. I, I, I look back at should I join? And I should have joined way earlier. I joined at 23, 22. So. Well, well, that's amazing. And uh, no pun intended, Dan, but uh, you, you put everything in such amazing focus and hearing you talk about, um, you know, the, the passion point and, and how your dad, um, you know, formed some kind of an, an influence to you uh, to, to take this up is really so inspiring to hear, given the fact that we're uh, on a father-son fun talk, uh, father-son fun talk podcast. So, uh, wow, 34 years uh, your dad served in, in the military. And, uh, wow, the story gets better as we keep talking here on Champs and Chums. Um, Dan, uh, I wanted to ask you, and I, I mean, I know as we're sitting here today having our great uh, conversation, you know, we're living in uh, the unprecedented and the unfortunate times of the pandemic. But um, just to give the listeners a, a sense of um, what a day in the life of, uh, of a military member and, and your particular role uh, would look like. 
Sure. Uh, so for me, I actually, uh, I like to sleep. So I try to get as much sleep as possible. So I usually wake up around maybe 10 to 6, 10 to 7, uh, sorry, 20 to 6. And I will, uh, first thing, wake up, get dressed, and I leave the house as soon as possible. Um, I do this for two reasons. One is uh, I'm more focused in the morning when I just get up and go. Um, to me, this whole COVID situation, I've been it's harder for me to get the motivation to do things because I wake up and I'm slow to do things. When I've been proactive, if, you know, on a regular basis, I like to get up and go and leave as soon as possible. Uh, so I'm usually at work by seven in the morning. And in that time, first thing I do is I turn my computer on and I check the mail because their mail comes in constantly over uh, military internet. And you're always learning about new things that have come through new opportunities, new tasks, new, new, new tasks or deployments are looking for people or volunteers. And my first thing is I, I want to see what's going on. I want to see if there's any issues or if there's something I can do that's been requested. Um, after that happens, uh, I like to get a, a quick snack in uh, just because I don't work out on a, on a on empty stomach. I have to have a little bit of food in my stomach. So I uh, usually grab a small bowl of cereal and I have to have food i'm always a bunch of something or eating something so for me um having a kitchen at my shop which is a must necessity uh we do and that comic camera we have a small kitchen and i usually make a bowl cereal and i eat that as quick as possible while i check my email then i'm right down to the gym um it ranges between what i do at the gym uh between cardio which i am a bigger guy and i like to work on as much cardio as i can uh, and to weightlifting, to uh, even just spinning on a bike or walking on a treadmill. And when I do that on the treadmill, I'm usually um, reading or I'm watching something on my phone or I am listening to music. I am very eclectic on what I listen to with music. So I like to listen to everything from opera to classical music to hip hop to jazz. I'm very eclectic on a lot. Um, finish working uh, in the gym back upstairs ready to go have my shower and then i'm at my desk usually by about 9 15 9 20 um sometimes that also happens we have team meetings uh team meetings can for come up for upcoming tasks so we have teams go in and out of the shop all the time from comic camera um our teams deploy usually as a three-man team but sometimes they go out as single people or um larger groups as well because not every task can be done with three people um we have tasks that sometimes require five or six people that i've seen um so for me it's usually what's going on the schedule we look through what kind of opportunities we have of uh, team meetings if we need something and one thing i find very um hard in our trade is technology technology moves so fast in photography and videography that you need to be uh relative or rel not, um, be recent you have to know what's coming up what new technologies are out there be aware of new software you have to take the time to look at new stuff and for me i uh, i follow a website called dp review a lot i usually click on that website probably twice a day just to take 30 seconds to look through the new page okay there's new software okay like there's camera lenses coming out take a look at that because if you're not on top of what's new you're going to fall behind on what's available to us as well because comic camera we use a lot of gear we use upwards of 
$200,000 a camera year per task sometimes, and even more because cameras are expensive, laptops are expensive. We use uh, wireless transmitters. We use a whole whack of hard drives and it just gets really expensive. So you have to be, you know, if you're aware of what you need and what the limitations of your gear are. So for me, it's training. You have to make sure that you know what to do and you have to train your other guys as well. When people come to our trade, they don't know a lot about um, the, the technology that's out there. They know the basics, how to take a photograph. That's 10 seconds of the clicking. How to use that gear though. How can you take that camera that is a $10,000 or a $3,000 camera, how can you push the limits of the camera to get that amazing shot? Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I try to encourage my guys is, let's sit down, let's talk about this camera. And we'll poke at one camera that may have, you know, 250 options on it, no problem. And then we'll look at another camera that has maybe three or 4,000 options on it between exposure and buttons and learning all the little small tricks of uh, the camera. Um, so from there, you know, we'll do a, a group team thing. Uh, that could happen twice a week, once a week, could happen every day. We, we don't, we don't know. It can always change. Um, so from there, you know, you go to lunch and then you're back at it by one o'clock. And then you're also checking your email throughout the day. And then you're home by four o'clock. And then as soon as I come home, I have to de-stress a little bit because sometimes mm-hmm. I get wound up at work. And for me, um, I've turned to, I used to, photography was my de-stressor. Uh, mm-hmm. Going through school, it was my de-stressor. So I took my career, my, my passion, I made it my career. So I had to take something that I wasn't really doing that much. And believe it or not, um, when I was a kid, I never played a lot of video games. Mm. I never had a PlayStation. I never had an Xbox. I never had Nintendo. And so I got myself a, an Xbox and I slowly got into it. And now I play probably about an hour sometimes. And now that my son's old enough, him, uh, he'll sit down with me and we'll play together. So that's to me a distressor and I have to de-stress. If always go, 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 I burn myself out and it has happened where you, I do get burned out and I don't want that to happen again. So I have to de-stress. Yeah, well, thanks for taking us through that great description. You know, it's always um, to get it firsthand from a military member behind the scenes. The And we talk a lot about it, Dan, on Champs and Chums about, you know, uh, routine, putting the work in, the regimen. I heard you talking about, you know, how you start your day and, and, and early to that, which is amazing on you. Um, and then to hear you talk about the lifelong learning aspect in in your job, I, it's it's amazing. I mean, to stay in front of technology and... And then the, uh, yeah, you know, you must have some fun father-son challenges then on the Xbox with uh, with your son Lincoln then. We're getting there slowly, but uh, he's definitely beating my uh, my score on Lego. <laughs> he's playing a lot of that Lego game, and uh, I'm just amazed on how, you know, four years old, I never have hand-eye coordination. He does, and he's doing an amazing job. Oh, that that's outstanding! And uh, my uh, my chum next to me, who's not a bad video game player as well, he he's got a question for you as well too, uh, Dan. So Ashton, take it away for Dan. Dan, can you share some of the greatest personal highlights you have experienced while serving our country? Uh, yeah, sure, Ashton. So uh, some of my career highlights would probably be, I can sort of go in order here, but um, for me it was operating uh, and what I mean by operating is actually going outside the country and doing my job for 24 hours straight however long 
you know, um, I was gone for eight months straight. And in those eight months, we were gone, uh, I think, roughly it's 218 days we were gone. And out of those days, you wear and tear on me. So deploying for me, though, that was worth it. I, I love deploying. It could be for a week. It could be for eight months. Deploying is one of my favorite things to do. So operations overseas. So in 2013, I deployed for eight months to the Middle East. Uh, but I've done other things as well where I've um, spent time with the um, Arctic Research Foundation and Parks Canada. So the Arctic Research Foundation is an organization or an NGO, a non-government organization, and they work up in the Arctic and they work with um, different communities, different uh, small towns up in the Arctic. And when I was up there, we were working with Parks Canada as well. And we were working with um, uh, local leaders and Parks Canada, and we were doing stuff with the Franklin Expedition. So for me, working with Parks Canada and the Arctic Research Foundation and getting to work on one of the ships that was sunk in 1854, that was pretty cool. And it's the uh, HMS Airbus is one of the ships that I got to work with. And it was really cool because it was only in 30 feet of water. And to see a ship in such pristine condition from 1850 lost in the ice for nearly uh you know almost 160 170 years that was underwater it was pretty cool to see um so for me that was kind of cool that was a piece of history um places i've got to see i've been to vimy um vimy is a mm. big memorial for canadian military even uh american even british even um uh, Germans, uh, the Vimy Memorial is a pretty significant thing. Um, and for me to get the opportunity to go there uh, and see it was a career highlight. Uh, some other things as well, like I've been on um, American Aircraft Carrier for a few days. I was invited out to go work with their photo team on an aircraft carrier. That was very cool. Um, being picked up by an American helicopter uh, was one of the coolest things I've ever done. You know, you, you go to work, you're thinking like, oh, it's going to be a regular day. And then you get told, <laughs> hey, um, you're leaving in a few hours to go on an aircraft carrier. Uh, pack your bag. You're wow. leaving now. Wow. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's go. Um, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, mind spinning a mile a minute for about 30 seconds. And you're like, okay, calm down. What do I need? I need camera. I need clothes. Let's go. And uh, I had the opportunity to bring one of my, uh, my junior guys with me, and he had an amazing time. It was his very first um, external task. And when I mean external, um, in our shop, in our trade, we do a lot of passports, uh, a lot of portraits, a lot of uh, parades, stuff that is just like the day-to-day -day kind of stuff. And for us, I think the career highlight is actually getting out away from that and moving into like where I'm at Comic Camera, where... I don't take parades. I don't do portraits. I, you know, I do the stuff that is, you know, I take photographs of ships in the middle of the ocean from a helicopter and there's not one ship, but there's like 50 ships. So I got the opportunity to take him out of his little, you know, desk area and take him with me on an actual task to go on an aircraft air. And he was amazed. He was like, this is what we do. And his jaw just dropped for four days straight. Uh, working with other people as well in the military. So the military runs this program called CFAEP and the military, uh, it stands for Canadian Forces Aboriginal Entry Program. 
And I got asked to be a, um, a photographer at Winnie Ford. And doing that, I was also uh, tagged in to be an instructor on this course. And it is one of the coolest things I've ever done. Take With my years of uh, being in the military and helping a person that was thinking about joining the military. In this program, they take kids that are from um, indigenous communities and they bring them down to Halifax. And they give them an opportunity to see what the military is like. Hey, here's an opportunity to join the military. We will give you... Uh, an opportunity to see the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force. And a lot of kids do. Um, I was there, uh, I photographed it three times, and I've seen uh, 40 kids, 45 kids join the military out of this one program, and they only had 50 kids there. So that high percentage was very amazing. It was very cool to see. Um, that was amazing. For me, uh, working with other people that never been in the military and to show them the opportunities that we have available to them was pretty cool. Uh, the last thing, though, for me was teaching. I like to teach photography as well. So getting the opportunity to go to Borden as uh, an instructor for a few months was very cool. Uh, while I was there, I bumped into people that I met over the years being in the military, and it was great to see them. But helping these people that are coming into our trade and showing them what tools, what techniques I've learned in the field that will save them time and will make them faster and better. And believe it or not, some of the students that I taught on that course actually got to go from the course right to combat camera. And they were amazing at combat camera. They did amazing work. And they told me that the small little things that I showed them made them faster and better than what they would have been from going from uh, the trade course to base photo because they learned, you know, what not to do and how to, or how to do something better from what I was showing them how to do it. So it was, that was pretty cool. I think to be an instructor in our trade is very cool as well. Oh, some amazing stories of, uh, of mission and, and mentorship there for sure, Dan. Ashton, you got another question for, uh, for Dan. Dan, how does it feel to be viewed as a hero to a nation of Canadians, young and old? Um, you know what? I People may see me as a hero, but I don't feel I'm a hero. Because what I do is, one, I have more pleasure doing my job than anything else. Like, I love my job so much that I'm so thankful of where I'm at and what I do. And to be a hero is, I'm just doing my job. I love my job so much. I, I can't be considered a hero. And people sometimes say, you know, thank you for being in the military. And I say, you know what? Don't worry about it. Because what I do is awesome. I do one of the coolest jobs in the military. Uh, I've seen people come up to me uh, down in the United States. And they're like, thank you for your service. And I'm like, no problem. You know what? We're here. We do our job. And then I've had people in Canada come up to me and they're like, thank you so much for doing service. And they ask me what I do and I explain to them what I do. And they're like, oh, that makes total sense. I didn't know that they have photographers in the military because a lot of people don't understand that, you know, photographs in the military, uh, not everybody takes photographs, not everybody can do the quality we do. So to get that opportunity and they understand that, oh my God, there are photographers in the military. But Am I viewed as a hero? A lot of people may view me as a hero, but I think being a hero in the military is sort of the people that are not here anymore. And those are people who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Hmm. 
Great, great words indeed, and, and rich insights from, from you. Uh, you're listening to episode 15 of the Champs and Chums podcast. Anthony and Ashton here on the broadcast chair. We uh, have our best of segment uh, featuring MS Dan Bard. He's a 13-year Canadian military member. Uh, Dan, I uh, wanted to talk about, you know, in, in our great conversation uh, early, uh, early on, I heard you say um, that the unit was quite a tight-knit family, and uh, yeah, I wonder if you can t- tell the listeners and share uh, the importance, and we talk about it a lot on Champs and Chums, the importance of teamwork, and would love for you to connect the dots for our listeners in terms of that importance of teamwork being on the, uh, on the armed forces. Okay, for sure. You know what? Um, I wouldn't be able to do my job unless I had a team behind me. And that means people who uh, want to uh, do the paperwork, believe it or not, paperwork is a big thing in the military. And it's people that are behind us as well and beside us. And what I mean behind us, that means the people who do our support trades, uh, people who work in supply, people who work in the pay office, people who take care of my finances or the uh, administrational duties. People who feed us at sea, um, going to sea, we have cooks as well, and they have to take care of us. But being a team is they have my back. If I need something, I'm there to help them. They're there to help me. And when I talk laterally, that's people who are in the same trade, same positions that I've been in before and go out there with me. So in the last, uh, say, year, I've been on two tasks uh, overseas. Um one is I went to uh, Turkey and Greece for uh, two weeks covering a naval exercise with the uh, Americans, Canadians, Turkish, uh, Greeks, um, Brits. Uh, and having that teamwork is I'm able to concentrate on my job. And my job is to take photography, uh, do take photo- photos of the whole exercise, the um, being there in the now. Um, when we deploy, we have a public affairs officer. And that public affairs officer is sort of lining up the next task for us or taking care of any administration that is needed while we're deployed. And then as well, I come out with a videographer as well. So that videographer is taking video bits and pieces and to the together, the three of us, we make a team and you can deploy as a single person and it is extremely hard. Those are the days that you work 20 hours straight, no problem. And then to have a team with you, that is stress that's taken off of you. So I can say being deployed as separately and as a team, I prefer a team. Uh, It gets me focused more on what I have to do. I'm not uh, pulled three different ways doing a job. Being part of a team is a huge thing in the military. Uh, You cannot get your job done as fast and as proficient unless you're part of a team. And teamwork is very important. And with me, with teamwork, you have to have communication. If you don't talk to your teammates, they're not going to know what any issues you have. They're not, you're not going to know if they have any issues with uh, anything else that happens. Um, there can be anything that can go wrong on a task. Uh, you know, missing camera gear, uh, missing your flight. Um, that's never happened to me, though, thank God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, just things can get in your way as well. And it's nice to have somebody who's got your back either in Canada while you're deployed overseas or with you next to you, beside you, and they are there to help you out. And that's one thing that's been very nice being a comic camera. Cause again, we deploy as a team, we have a 
public affairs officer with us and we have uh, two image techs. So one, me and someone else, or, you know, uh, it could be a team of five, uh, one image tech and four, uh, sorry, one public affairs officer and four image techs. And we all have a role and a responsibility and we all know. But the nice thing is with being part of this team is we know the duty and responsibility of anyone else there as well. So if I wanted to switch with my videographer and they want to take photographs, not a problem. We can do that. We all train the same. We all do the same job. And we can easily transfer duties and responsibilities as needed. Those are some great examples there, uh, Dan, of teamwork. I mean, I really can hear and listen to you speak uh, that real sense of pulling together. And, you know, in, in the military or, uh, you know, or any walk of life, it's, it's, it's so great to, to hear these great stories, uh, whatever the, uh, the career uh, endeavor or discipline. Um, wanted to talk, you, you did talk a, a, a little bit about mentorship and, uh, you, you mentioned your love for, for teaching photography. Um, mentorship is another, you know, big, um, big part in, uh, of, of what we talk about on Champs and Chums with, uh, all the great guests such as you that have come on the show. Um, I'm wondering if you can, uh, circle back on that so we can put a focus as, as you think about some of your armed forces um, uh, experiences and how you've been able to share that uh, whether it be some some of the, the the younger members coming up and how mentorship is important to you sure um so mentorship to me is sort of a big deal because there you will have guys who just go through basic and they only know basic they don't know about the rest of about soldiering or sailoring or being an airman and you have to be available to support your junior guys because again, they don't know the whole view of being in the military. Some of these guys might have past experience being in the, you know, air cadets or sea cadets or army cadets, or even being in cubs, beavers or scouts. Um, that gives them a little bit understanding of what it is about going through the military because of the structure of those uh, teams, you know, um, uh, uh, organizations, sorry. The, for me, being a mentor is taking those guys and showing them why we do it this way, why we pack our gear this way, why we take a photograph this way, why we do our caption writing this way, and explain to them in reason. Because if you just show them, you're not giving them an actual reason why. And sometimes you have to step back from mentorship and explain it to them. And then sit back for a second. And if they have any issues, go back and and show them again step by step by step. And I sort of have to go that uh, run, you know, uh, walk, walk, run, sprint. Mm -hmm. you, the better you are at something, you can sprint and you can be so fast at what you do. Uh, an example that would be in my trade is caption writing. Um, the more you do it, the better you get at it the faster you are, the greater you are, for sure. When I first joined, I was a terrible writer. And it was very hard for me to take my words and write them down on a keyboard and write them into a journalistic style. And for me, that was very hard. So I had to come up with an idea for myself. And I had a mentor of mine explain to me, read the newspaper. Sit there, read a newspaper every day, and 
we had a newspaper available to us every day. Uh, so I would sit there and I would read the newspaper constantly. And I would read about the, the flow, the caption writing, the way they would write stuff down in articles and that journalistic style. And for me, that was a great way to get my butt, as you'd say, you know, mm -hmm. get my head straight mm -hmm. on caption writing. And that was really good for me. So I've taken that example of, you know, taking something simple of, as a task, repeating it over and over and over again, and getting proficient in that. So I had a guy uh, working for me years ago who wasn't very comfortable in front of people. He was a shy photographer. And if you're a shy photographer, that means you're going to be behind the camera, not talking to people, not explaining to people, hey, can you move over here? You can get a better shot. And that's going to hurt them a lot. And we took him to an event and he asked him, how do you feel afterwards? And he said, I took, you know, five photos. That was it. And he didn't want to stand in front of people because he didn't want to be that one guy walking around taking photographs. And I said, your job is to walk around. So I took him to a uh, sporting event, um, the uh, SMU football team in Halifax. Mm -hmm. And I told him, we're volunteering here to take photographs of the sports event, uh, football. And he was really apprehensive, apprehensive at first. And after maybe 30 minutes, he was, okay, I want to move down here to get better photographs. I'm like, go for it. Do what you got to do. Let's take a look at your photographs. And he was explaining to me that he was a little more flexible in getting that shot, being more forward of taking photographs from the sidelines but he wanted to move around a little bit. I'm like, so what do you want to do? And his communication skills were getting better at the same time. He wasn't being that shy guy anymore. He was actually going out there. He's like, you know what? I want to go up to the stadium and I want to take a photograph from the very, very top and hit the full wide of the full football game with all the people. I'm like, okay, let's go. Yeah. He's like, we can walk up there. I'm like, yes, let's go up there. Mm -hmm. We are giving permission. Let's, you cannot be a shy guy. And getting him out of that comfort a discomfort of being shy into a comfort position of where he can do whatever he wants. He was loving it. And uh, last I heard, he's having a great time. Um, he is one of the best photographers they had in Halifax. And uh, I, I hope the guy's still doing a great job now. Oh, well, so that... I think taking a, a junior guy and leading him through any issues that he has is being a good mentorship. Yeah, what a great story, Dan. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, yeah, I'm sure for you uh, spending that time and, you know, you, you kind of said it's the crawl, uh, walk, and then the, the run. It's nice to, and we talk about it on Champs and Chums too, it's a process, right? Uh, when you're moving, uh, either whether it be a person that uh, that, that you're working together with, it, it must be so gratifying for you to see uh, when, when that success happens step by step and, and away they go. Um Good stuff. Uh, Ashton, you've got some more questions for, for Dan. Dan, what are some of the key skills needed to be an accomplished Canadian Armed Forces member? Sure. Um, Ashton, you know what? That's a great question. Skills needed to be a good member of the Canadian Armed Forces. One, communication. Learn to listen. If you don't listen, you can't be a good leader. And if you're not a good leader then you're not going to be liked by other people as well. I think communication, you have to listen just as much as well as just as good as you can speak. So for me, I think uh, like when I first joined the military, I had a little bit of stutter, a little bit of a shy issue. 
So um, it was harder for me, but I, you know, I got used to it pretty good. And I, I'm quite good at now with public speaking, I find. But for me, um, being a good listener is a skill that you need. If you're not a good listener, you're not going to be a good person. So I think the biggest one is listening. You have to be a good listener. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Um, Ashton. Dan, can you talk about how important family has been to you and tell us who have been your mentors in your life? Sure. Um, when it comes to uh, how important family is, for me, it's um, my family is like the backbone for me. Um, my wife is a rock star. And my bosses have told my wife that she is a rock star. And I agree with them 100% because I can't do my job unless my wife is allowing me to go do my job. Uh, my wife actually, uh, when we were in Halifax, Nova Scotia, uh, she worked at a daycare and my boss's daughter also went to that daycare. So my wife saw my boss a lot. And my wife had the great opportunity to explain, or my, I should say my boss had the opportunity to ask is it fine if we send your husband away for a few days? He doesn't know that's going to happen, <laughs> Great. but is it available? And I think that having my wife behind me and letting me do my job and having my boss able to talk to my wife, that was sort of a great little importance to me because I knew that if I'm gone, they are taken care of. Mm-hmm. Either you know, face-to-face once in a while or over the phone, my wife is taken care of. My kids are taken care of. There's nothing that I need to worry about. And uh, my wife said, she noticed that a few times that I don't call her every day. And I'm like, you know, I can't call you every day on ship. Mm-hmm. It's impossible because, you know, you're in the middle of the ocean. You don't have communication. But she's like, for a while, you were only calling me once a week. And mm-hmm. it's because I had so much in front of me. I didn't want to look and be distracted at home. So, and I knew that if something happened, yes, they can get a hold of me within a few hours, but I never had to worry. My wife is the reason that I got to deploy so much. My wife is a rock star and my bosses were, were aware of that. And she's the reason why I get to do a lot of the things I do because I knew that she can take care of herself. She has a great support system. And she was able to support herself, either getting a hold of my boss or talking to one of her friends whose husband is in the military as well. And any issue she ever had, it was taken care of right away. And thank God, knock on wood, nothing's ever happened. Um, Again, importance of family. Uh, My wife is the thing that lets me do my job. Uh, When it talks about, you talked about uh, mentors. And I can think of probably three people that really mentored me in my job. And that was the probably over a, a nine year period in being in Halifax. So a little background story is again, my father was an MSEC. So a lot of people that he had working for him were still in the military when I joined. So there was two people that actually worked for my father and also I worked for them. So it was kind of a, uh, you know, your father was my boss. Now I'm your boss. Deal with it. But it was kind of funny because they knew I was having a difficulty with being in the military. I was adjusting to it. And uh, one of the person was John Covet, who 
worked as uh, an assets manager. So what his job was, was he would take all of our photographs and then he would distribute it out to the media. So he would always go through your photographs and he would always critique. And I love that critique. So he was a mentor to me because I looked at him. He had years in the military. He knew his stuff and he was so well versed in photography. He taught me a lot. And those were things, small things that I learned from him that made me really good as well. The other person as well is uh, Mr. Ron Hartland, who also uh, used to work for my father and I worked for him for a while. And Ron, uh, he sort of drove me in a different way. So each one of my membership showed me a different key. And Ron showed me sort of how to be more uh, outspoken, more verbal, get the job done, tell them you know how to do the job, show them how you do the job, deliver the product. End result is better than what they wanted. Give them top shelf material, either photo or video, make it a product deliverable and make it better than what they want. Overburden them with, oh my God, this photo is amazing. Or, oh my God, this video is so good. Just deliver it better than what they want. And Ron showed me a lot of those skills. The other person uh, is uh, Sean Kent. And Sean showed me the technology side of it. I knew how to take a photograph, but I didn't understand the theory of technology on how much it can, if you're more relevant, if you're aware of what's out there and how you can adapt stuff that's on the shelf, and how you can be better with that stuff. For example, is um, we have a lot of Mac products in the world right now, right? So you have your iPhone, your Mac tablet, your MacBook Pro, and all of these things talk to each other. So uh, he was, we were working on a, on a project in Halifax where I can take a photograph and I can transmit it directly to a phone and it's on the phone right away. And I can tweet that photograph within 10 seconds of it being available to the public affairs officer. So that means I can take a photograph and it can be on the internet within 10 seconds. And for us, that is incredibly fast because that means I delivered a product to the customer faster than anybody else. And Sean Kent sort of showed me how fast we could take some off-the-shelf products and make our job faster. So I think that was one thing that learning the technology side Again, you know, John showed me the basics of our trade. Uh, Ron showed me the how to be better in the job. And then Sean showed me how to take technology and make it better. How can you take something that is, yeah, it works, but what can you do? How can you push the limits of the technology? That's great. Uh, shout out to John, Ron, and Sean, uh, great mentors. And then also your your wife, Natalie. Uh, you know, it's so great to have that supporting cast uh to do great things and um you know we've had such a wonderful conversation with you already and we've got a few more questions if you don't mind uh, dan as we sure. we keep going on our uh, father-son fun talk here in episode 15. um uh, dan i i heard you earlier and um at, uh, when ashton asked you um if you saw yourself as a hero you were very quick to uh, reset the conversation and the tribute talking about a veteran and, and you you said that um they are the real heroes, you know, they're, they're the ones yes. that made the ultimate sacrifice 
to ensure that the freedoms we all enjoy here as uh, as Canadians are are there. And um, you know, you mentioned uh, one of your highlights was going to Vimy. I would love for you to share with the listeners maybe some of the most heartfelt moments that you've had with a veteran. Here we are in this special uh, special month of November. Sure. Uh, so in Halifax, um, there's a um, a veteran hospital called Camp Hill. And um, every year, uh, the military volunteers it's time to go over there and they clean the garden. And uh, over the years, I've gone there a few times. Uh, they do it in the fall and the spring and they do a cleanup. And um, it's very nice because, what we, you know, they some veterans will come down, they'll talk to you, they'll spend a few time with you. And it's nice because all these veterans have a story. Uh, the stories can be, you know, back in my day or, you know, we did it this way or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's those small little things that I'm like, that's pretty cool, you know, because they these guys had it rougher you know either be you know uh world war ii vietnam war uh you know you know back in my day i sailed on a ship that was steam powered and you know back in what can i say you know back in my day i just sat in my cabin or i sat in my bunk and you know woke up every day and i had a fresh meal in front of me you know like they had it rougher you know um the the stories some of these guys would come up with are are crazy um I can only think of maybe two things. Um, when I was younger, a lot younger, um, when I was, uh, you know, my father was military. We moved a lot. Um, we lived in Newfoundland for three years. And um, my dad was part of a committee, as I remember. Uh, and the committee was something to do with veterans. And it would, you know, it happened right around November. And there was a gentleman. I can't remember his rank at the time or, you know, I know he was retired because he was a World War II veteran, but uh, his name was Bradbury. And uh, when I was a kid, we would go up to his cottage in Twillingate, Newfoundland. And I would spend, you know, a few hours there, there, my dad and him would talk and his wife would make something. I remember rhubarb pie. As a kid, I would add all the rhubarb pie I ever wanted. Yum. As soon as I went to the Bradbury's house. And, Mm he would tell me about some of the stories. Um, I, I remember, I, I'm, you know, I'm talking like I was 10 years old, you know, a little older than you are Ashton. And he would tell me stories about um, flying. I, I'm trying to vague it out here. Flying during world war two. I'm pretty sure, you know, if you Google the guy, maybe it was flying, but uh, he would always talk about how, when he was England, it was harder to get his job to live there. You know, like it was world war two. It wasn't uh, you know, I'll be back in six months. I'll see you in a few days, you know, or, you know, it was, he didn't know when he was coming back. He didn't know if he was going to be shot down. He didn't know if he was going to be dealing with any. And I just remember him saying that he didn't know when he was coming home. And that was very hard for him where I know that whenever I went away, I was going to be home in a few weeks or a few months or a few days. Cause but being away, I just remember him telling me about, you know, be careful. Uh, you never know when you're going to come back. Um, you know, this year we had, uh, unfortunately, uh, seven people die uh, from airplane crashes. Um, we had a helicopter go down and we had uh, a Tudor snowbird, sorry, uh, crash. And uh, for me, uh, 
that there is something that I do dread about, you know, uh, I go do my job, I go flying in helicopters a lot, uh, being in the military. And, uh, I, I think that is one thing that does scare me. And I remember that him telling me the same thing that he didn't know if sometimes he was going to come home from those fights. And I think that's one thing that does bother me a little bit, you know, uh, that's, sh- that I think, you know, you don't know something could happen, right? Uh, it is hard. I think that one there, right there. Yeah. Yeah. Deep, uh, deep stories indeed, uh, with so much legend to it. Um, Ashton, you've got a, a couple more final questions for our special guest, uh, MS Dan Bard. Dan, what does Remembrance Day mean to you? Um, Remembrance Day to me is definitely paying respect to the ultimate sacrifice. And um, the ultimate sacrifice to me is anybody who's ever fought and lost their life um, in combat or even just doing their job, uh, you know, we lost seven people this year, unfortunately. Um, uh, my wife, Natalie, actually uh, knew uh, a few of them being in Halifax because she worked at the Military Family Resource Center, and it was really hard on her. Um, a few months earlier, uh, I, I met some of these crews during their workers training in uh, Halifax, so I got to fly with some in the helicopter, and uh, it was pretty scary to me as well. So. For me, remember to me is paying respect to those fallen. Um, I know a lot of guys who have lost friends in uh, Afghanistan. And every time, every year over November, I always see them repost photographs of friends they lost during their time in the military or friends that uh, have passed away while being in the military. You know, it doesn't have to be comforting, conscious combat. Just doing our job is dangerous sometimes. You know, flying in a helicopter, you're in a plane. Um, things happen. Uh, it is, uh, I think, paying respect. What does Ramona say to me? It means paying respect to those fallen. Dan, what advice do you have for young kids looking to become a member of the Canadian military? Well, Ashen, um, if somebody wants to join the military, any advice I'd have to say to them is join an organization that gets you to understand what it means to be part of something. You know, uh, I'm talking like a sporting event, sporting team is a great example. Being parts of of Beavers, Cubs, or Scouts, being part of the Air Cadets, the Army Cadets, the Navy Cadets, being part of that organization sort of gets you into the idea of what the military is like of a structure. Being part of that team, um, you know, you have a coach, that watches you play hockey that tells you what to do in the military you have a sergeant you have a master corporal that tells you what to do and you know that to me is um sort of listen to them learn from them learn how they do their job um you know advice i had a i had a family member join the military recently uh, a few years ago, actually. And the one thing I told her is bring two of everything. And she laughed and she's like, <laughs> why? And I said, it's because you have to have your room ready for inspection all the time. If you bring two of everything, two toothbrushes, two shampoo, two shaving cream, you can take that extra one, wipe it off, and then put it in your box. They cannot inspect, but you have that one you do not touch. 
Mm-hmm. And you have it right there, ready to go right away. Uh, how to polish your shoes. You know, uh, all those little small things that I, I, I showed her how to do. And she thought it was really good. You know, the small little tricks. Um, being that mentor, uh, having advice for people who want to join the military is, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to put your hand up and say, I do not understand what you're asking me to do. Can you explain to me better? Or you understand and you're ready to commit yourself to an operation or a task, you know, um, example is uh somebody asked me hey do you want to be uh, a ship's team diver do you want to be part of the dive course and i told them i love scuba diving but i'm not physically fit enough to do the grueling course they have in the military for diving but i would say being available to do that opportunity you know take any opportunity they give you you know hey we're gonna send you on course to learn how to fly a helicopter sure take that opportunity you know, uh, for me, I think my advice comes down to uh, don't be afraid to ask a question or to take any training they give you. Um, an example of that would be uh, I have an opportunity to take a course called uh, Full Motion Video Analysis Course. Basically, we watch um, drone footage and we learn to analyze that footage. If I didn't put my hand up and said, yeah, sure, I'll go on that course. I would not have had the opportunity to learn some of the coolest things in the military of what the drones do in the military. Uh, another example of that is uh, don't be afraid to, if you come back from a deployment, don't be afraid to go out right away again. I'm talking a week. I was gone for six weeks. I came home for a week and I left right away for another six weeks deployment. And both of them were in the Caribbean. So I was, gone away for six weeks, came home for a week, and I left again for six weeks. And don't be afraid to volunteer. I think is another thing. Yeah, definitely. Don't be afraid to volunteer. Some some great advice there to close uh, what has been an outstanding best of segment. Uh, MS Dan Bard, uh, so appreciative, Dan, of the time you've given us um, you know, they say they say a, a picture is worth a thousand words. And, you know, as we've talked, we talked to you here in episode 15, a special month to, you know, think about the military and uh, not, not that we don't think about the military year round, but to think of those who serve and to, to have someone on the show. And, and you've given us such a vivid um, behind the scenes um, uh, impression and uh, real talk about um what it takes, what you do, and the impact you make. I mean, Ashton and I are so, so grateful for, um, for you coming on the show. And, uh, you know, I know you said, um, you know, uh, when a number of, um, uh, of, of people have thanked you for all the great service, and we want to thank you for that above all, and, and thank you for coming on the show. And my chum Ashton here wanted to say a few words to you as well too, Dan. Uh Thanks. Thank you for serving our country uh, because, as my dad said, we heard you saying uh, that people congratulate you for serving our country. And uh, we are proud Canadians, and you are too. And even though that we are dealing with COVID, I think we still have to just get used to the new stuff and still be a proud 
the of our country. And Thanks, Ashton. and uh, we we want to thank you for coming on the show. It has been an amazing best of segment. And um, I just want to say that I like saw the pictures of your photography and they're amazing. Like, thank you. They're very like uh, on angle and very well taken. So congratulations for that. Thank you. You know, Ashton, um, there's a quote. I'll end it with this. There's a quote. Everything in the world's been photographed. It's how you change your angle or change your perspective on that makes you different from everybody else. And that's one thing I like to live about my photography. So when I take a photograph of something, I always say to myself, someone else has taken this exact same photograph before. How can I do it better? Outstanding. Ashton, you're going to take us to break on episode 15. This ends our father-son best of segment. More father-son fun talk coming up. You're listening to the Champs and Chums podcast. Father-son fun talk. You're listening to episode 15 of the Champs and Chums podcast. Thanks so much for being with us uh, on episode 15 of our show. And Ashton, it's now time for our All Pro Go segment. And just so the listeners know, our All Pro Go is a Did You Know Sports Spotlight. And Ashton, you know, we uh, there's been a lot of talk about outdoor activities, of course, with the winter coming up. And, uh, you know, we were so um, uh, grateful to have uh, all-time points leader for the Brampton Beast, uh, um, David Valerani, uh, join us on the show here for episode 15. I thought it'd be kind of neat to do something that had a little bit of hockey to it but also had a little bit of shine to it. Oh, actually, you're going to tell us what All Pro Go is. What's our All Pro Go? Our All Pro Go is Shinny. Shinny, that is it. All right, Ashton, tell all the listeners at home about Shinny. Shinny, also Shinny pickup hockey, pond hockey, or outdoor puck, is an informal type of hockey played on ice. It is also used as another term for street hockey. There are no formal rules or specific positions, and often there are no goaltenders by the goal. Areas at each checking and lifting or roofing, reefing, raising the puck, shooting the puck or ball so it rises shinny is a game that all levels of hockey enthusiastic enthusiasts yeah enthusiasts can play because it requires no rink in his book requires no skill yeah it requires no skill except ability to hold a ho- a stick and the very least to try to touch the puck or ball when it goes by shinny shinny may shinny may be completely non competitive and recreational 
Great job, uh, son. Well, yeah, you know what? It's kind of fun to uh, to, to pick Shinny because your dad has actually had a few Shinny games in his time. Uh, I, I seem to remember, and those um, fans who are from Scarborough, and uh, I know my uh, long time long time chum there, uh, Uncle Mike there, uh, Ashton, would know some of the great Shinny games we would have had at the uh, McGregor Park Arena. And uh, I seem to remember one shinny game that what uh, we had, and I was out of breath, right? Uh, and there's no body checking, as as some of the the, yeah. the you've shown here, right? But I actually accidentally ran into this uh, really big guy, and I fell right down. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, but I was okay. It was okay. I uh, it was all in fun, and uh, and I had a, a lot of experience coming out of that shinny game. But I'll continue our all-pro-go shinny here. You know, and the common ritual in shinny, everybody, for choosing the teams, each has the player throwing their hockey sticks into the pile, uh, into a pile at the center, right? You remember some of those uh, movies like in Disney, like uh, Mighty Ducks and all that stuff like that? Yeah. They'd do something like that. They were playing shinny. Or they would actually place the sticks uh, in the middle area between the two nets, right? And so that's uh, also part of, of, of Shinny. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in all, all fairness, and it's, it's a fun, leisurely game. Uh, teams are often formed with intent to divide the group into approximately equal levels of skills amongst the players. And um, just going back a little bit more in terms of the origin of the great game of shinny it was uh, generally generally believed to be a precursor to ice hockey and uh, there was some early uh, evidence of shinny during the great depression right so um that that kind of gives it a start and the name ashton of shinny it was derived from the scottish game shinty and indeed shinny was a common name for one of Shinty's many regional variations in Scotland. So how about that? And as you mentioned at the outset, they used to call it, they still call it pickup hockey or pawn hockey. But that is your all-pro goal for episode 15. It's Shinny. And you're listening to the Champs and Chums podcast. Welcome back to episode 15 of Champs and Chums. And Ashton, it's now time for our signature segment. That's right. It's our Champs and Chums segment where we salute our stars on and off the field. And Ashton, uh, boy, those were some great best of interviews we also had as well too, eh, earlier in the show? Yep. Oh, it sure was. So I hope you've uh, enjoyed everything about uh, our November episode, our monthly episodes of Champs and Chums. And here we are with our signature segment. So in this, so you know, uh, listeners at home, Ashton will select a champ. I will select a champ. And then we'll both select our chums. So Ashton, over to you with your champ of episode 15. My champ of episode 15 is Sergi Baca. Oh, the great Sergi Baca. Do I see a tear in your eye there? Yes. Yeah. Well, well why, do you, why, why do you have a little bit of a tear in your eye for your champ episode well, 15, Serge Ibaka? He, uh, on the draft night of this month, he, um, 
got drafted to the L.A. Clippers. Well, you know, and I know you meant to say not drafted, but free agency set up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was the one of the first signings out of the gates. He's going to see our, 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 our chum there, Kawhi Ashton. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what do you think about what Sergi Baca has done for the Raptors and what he's meant to the city, Ashton? I mean, he's meant a lot for the city. And, um, you know, he, he like Kawhi and Larry and Pascal and Gasol, they, um, they all um, helped. And um, Ibaka, too. He helped... And now he just did an outstanding job with his plays. Yeah, he sure did coming off the bench. I mean, you, you got that kind of strength coming off the bench, Ashton, in their magical season of 2019. Uh, you're going to win a championship, and that's what he just did. And, uh, you know, I mean, he seemed to have this real connective ability to bring the team together, right? You know, when he talked about um, his art, all his fashionable things that he would wear, that long yeah. scarf. You remember that kind of stuff, yeah. you know? What did you think about all that stuff that Ibaka was doing? I mean, you actually were allowed to dress up like that. And uh, he actually had his own show on YouTube where he brought the Raptors players to his shop and they dressed, they dressed him up. They dressed them up in his clothes. Oh, yeah. Very entertaining. But, yeah, Sergi Baca. It's hard to believe that he joined the organization, the Raptors, in the 2016-17 season. Uh, four seasons with the Toronto Raptors coming over uh, from Orlando. But uh, all of the big stuff he did as a big a big threat um, when he was first uh, drafted back in, uh, it would have been 2008, uh, drafted in the first round, 24th overall. Um, originally by the Seattle Supersonics, Ashton, if you, if you didn't know that. But yeah, played with OKC, uh, played, uh, well, he was, he was an all-star uh, for sure. And uh, we're going to miss him. Sergi Baca, Ashton's champ of episode 15. All right, over to Dad. And uh, this one doesn't fall too, too far behind the basketball, Ashton, because my champ, for episode 15 to me i believe is now the protege that's chris boucher get it protege boucher kind of yeah. rhymes amen eh, yeah good stuff well um what do you think about chris boucher as a player well i mean they now said which uh i'm really happy about and you're happy about dad is uh he got some extra minutes to play in the game well, he's going to get more than extra minutes, right? I mean, he signed a, a multi-year contract, so he's going to be a Raptor for a little, while, a lot while longer. I think, um, you know, when they signed him, as you you remember, Ash, and I showed you that video of the the perseverance that um, that Chris Boucher had to come through. I mean, he was undrafted in the 2017 NBA draft, right? Yeah. So he had that terrible knee injury. You remember? Oh yeah. Um, where he had to come back from. You know he's a uh, he's a bit more longer in the tooth, if you will, twenty seven to sort of start his career and make the jump early. But um, you know Chris Boucher, and I'll tell you, I actually can lay claim to the fact that I met my episode fifteen champ Chris Boucher. Ashton, tell him the story. So uh, my dad went to a Raptors game, or was it a Raptors party? I'm not sure. 
Um, it felt like a party for sure, but it was a yeah. Raptors 905 game for sure, yeah. And uh, he went with... Uh, My chum Jerry, yeah. Yep. And uh, they they met Chris Boucher, and I was and like the second day, the day after that, I was like, oh my goodness, I was like falling to the floor when Paul Watson did that dunk and stepped over that guy. Yeah, yeah, because I actually when I met Chris Boucher, this is how much your dad loves you, right? I actually had him sign the autograph, not for me, but for you. I said, uh, Chris, I'm a big fan. Met him up close and personal, had a chance to talk with our, my champ of episode 15. But I said, you know who's a bigger bigger fan of yours? It's my son, Ashton. And yeah, the reaction you had when I came home for the game, I showed you the lanyard with the autograph of Chris Boucher to Ashton. You, you, just, you just dropped on the floor like that Paul Watson dunk. Yeah, and my jaw dropped as well. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I think it actually dropped on the floor. Yeah. Because you were so surprised, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Chris Boucher played one game before appearing for the Raptors with the Golden State Warriors in 2017-18. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he's going to get some big minutes. Uh, you know, I, I think he's 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 beefed up. He's become he's got some more muscle on him, some more strength. And I expect big things from my episode 15 champ, Chris Boucher. Ashton, uh, over to you for your chum of episode 15. My chum of episode 15 is Grandpa Gee, my grandpa. Amazing. What a great uh, chum he is, Ashton. And uh, tell us why you've selected Grandpa Gee as your chum for episode 15. He took care of me as a baby. He sure he, did, yeah. He taught me how to fish. That's right. And he tells good jokes. He tells amazing jokes. Yeah. You know, and uh, he, he he can keep us laughing in stitches, yeah. can he, with all his humor. Hey, Ashton? And uh, yeah, that's right. And fishing was a great thing. And that is a sport, too. We're going to have to have that on an all-pro go. But um, tell us all the great things your, your Grandpa Gee uh, showed you about fishing. Uh, he showed me, uh, like... Uh, what would happen when you know you caught a fish yep. it's basically when the bobber goes under yeah and um he taught me how to cast a bit but i i didn't really get it at first but then he taught me and and uh, then i just carried on with that and then i went with my uncle to go fishing and i and i knew how to cast so it was a it was a great advantage for me to just have an another uh sport sport yeah and uh coordination in that sport as well definitely well you had a great angler there and uh, grandpa gee showing you the way and uh you know we've had so much fun with him you've certainly had a lot of fun with him one-on-one yeah. -on -one, like some of the sports he challenged you to a lot of sports too like basketball yeah um i think badminton too hey eh? yeah he did amazing well shout out to grandpa gee who's going to get the first of two shout-outs, Ashton, because it's now time for me to announce my chum for episode 15. And I'm going to take your lead for great reason and so well-deserved because my chum for episode 15 is Grandpa Gee as well and my father-in-law Gee. So, um, boy, oh boy, uh, I've known your Grandpa Gee, Ashton, for I think it's almost 15 years now. 
That's yeah, that, that's that's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> that's a long time. And I must tell you, you know, over the years, everything has been headlined with laughs and love uh to 110 percent i've enjoyed so many fun times with him and sports ones as well too you know that they've come on some occasions to some of the the great um uh plane and airplane adventures we've had right so if we've gone to trips to Cayo santa maria's and such like that uh always had some fun uh with with um grandma and grandpa there and uh we did enjoy a lot of sports together, but actually I got a, a funny story and a fun story of, of being with your grandpa Guy. This would have been probably in 2000 and I don't know, 2007 or 2008. Um, uh, since left the lease, but I'd kept in touch with one of the, uh, the players there, Nick Antropov, and he was kind enough to provide me some tickets and uh, to, to the game. And so I took your grandpa Guy, and uh, not only did Nick have a great night, I think he scored a goal in that game. There was so much bedlam down uh, outside of uh, Air Canada Centre, was named at the time, that your grandpa and I, while we had a great time indoors and uh, had a beer and had a lot of fun uh, cheering on the good Maple Leafs, it took us a long time to get out of the parking lot because all the Leaf fans, and your grandpa will tell you this story, they were in such a good mood. It was a Saturday, I think it was a Saturday night, if, if I recall. It's going back a time now. But um, there were Leaf fans uh, just, um, you know, uh, shouting, Go Leafs, go! And everybody was in a happy mood, and we couldn't move anywhere. But we were just having a good laugh, taking it all in. So that's what I mean about uh, laughs, uh, love, and life. Um, definitely with a, with a great man, uh, your grandpa Gee good stuff well everybody that is our champs and chums special segment and we've got one more final segment coming up you're listening to episode 15 of the champs and chums podcast welcome back to champs and chums episode 15 and ashton it's now time to close our episode but you know true to form ashton Uh, This episode in November was one to truly remember. So as I always do, Ashton, I ask you, um, and with every show we do, what did you learn today? I learned the day-to-day life of the Canadian Armed Forces member. Well, you sure did, and and you learned that with incredible uh, pictures and descriptions of... uh, MS Dan Bard, uh, a 13-year uh, member of the Canadian military. What wonderful stories he shared, eh, Ashton, about um, the day-to-day, some of the great memories he, you know, spent not only with his own unit across the military, uh, serving in over 43 countries, um, but some of those um, great things we talk about, Ashton, on Champs and Chums, about uh, his routines, the day-to-day he talked about, uh, mentorship, uh, his, uh, you know, uh, that sense of teamwork, all those things made it a tremendous, tremendous best of segment. Um, and what else did you learn on episode 15? I learned that David Valerini is a great student and athlete. Well, you're right. Uh, good job on that. Head of the class on that one too, Ashton, because you're right. I mean, there's a great example, and it was so amazing to have David Valerani uh, guest on uh, episode 15 because he truly... Um, you know, made hockey 
through his incredible pro career and all the things he did uh, close to home here at the Brampton Beast being the all-time points leader. But what he talked about was he never lost sight of how important it was to get an education. And he certainly did that in a big-time way, playing in a big hockey program at uh, UMass. And he graduated with a, with a, a degree in business administration. And um, I guess he's now transitioned into the insurance industry too, right? So isn't that great that he was able to, uh, you know, make his retirement from pro hockey and make the transition pretty smooth? What do you think about that? That is outstanding. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. So good stuff. It's been a really jam-packed and action-packed and uh, uh, an episode to remember. But Ashton, as we always do, we want to thank some people for joining us. So why don't you thank? Who do you want to thank? I want to thank the Power Girls and Uncle Dennis who helped produce the show. That's right. We want to thank Uncle Uncle Dennis and the Power Girls who help uh, with all of the show and episodes that come to you uh, once a month. And then we obviously want to thank a Canadian military member, uh, MS Dan Bard. And we want to thank um, the all-time all-time pro and all-star, the all-time points leader for the Brampton Beast, uh, David Valerani, pro hockey player. Um, great job. So Ashton, why don't you tell all the fans at home how they can subscribe and check us out? They can check us out at iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Podbean, CastBox. That's right, and they can also uh, find us on social at Champs and Chums and our website, champsandchums.com. Ashton, well, this is a truly a November to remember. Big fist bumps here for episode 15. Good job, my man. Hope you have a great uh, day, everybody. And Ashton, as we always say, cheers to champs, cheers to chums, and cheers to an all-star day. Thanks for listening. listening.